0: um okay welcome everyone i'm peter pelham chair of the coc i'm going to call to order the meeting of the tam citizens oversight committee for january 16 2024. welcome everyone i would like to note that alternate mcfail so i can't pronounce your last
1: name <laughs>
0: will be participating, I'll just say Heather. Heather will be participating (laughs) remotely as a member of the public. Before we get into the items on the agenda and to ensure that we have a quorum, I will ask that staff conduct a roll call.
2: Chair Pelham. Present. Vice Chair Haggerty. Present. Member Alley. Absent. Member Portell. Here. He said he's, yeah, here, he's right? said here. here.
3: Yeah. Uh, member Cole. Present.
2: Member McDonald?
3: Present.
2: Member Olson is absent. Member Powers is absent, but <clears throat> participating as a member of the public. Member Roy. Here. Member Ty.
4: Here.
2: Member Vote. Here. Alternate Noguchi. Here. Alternate Okada? Absent. Alternate Saunders?
5: Uh, She arrived. She just stepped out of the room for a minute. So I assume she'll be right back. Okay.
2: <clears throat> Alternate Schmidt? No. Absent. Alternate <clears throat> McPhel, Schreeder, and um, I believe is planning on participating as uh, remotely as a member of the public. You have a quorum chair.
0: Thank you, Jennifer. I believe you have some general announcements you'd like to share in terms of how the public may participate during the hybrid meeting if joined remotely.
2: I do. Thank you. This meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting. A zoom webinar link has been provided as well as accommodations for in-person attendance. For members of the public who wish to participate, please refer to page one of the agenda for instructions on how to provide public comment. Please note that there is a three minute limit per comment. Thank you.
0: Okay. Um, as some of you may know, I'm not sure if all of you do, but Lee um, is going to be moving to onto a position with another agency after this month. Therefore, this is gonna be her last COC meeting. And in recognition and appreciation for Lee's many years of service with TAM and with the COC, I'd like to read the following letter of appreciation. Lee, on behalf of the TAM's Citizens Oversight Committee, I'd like to express, you're not allowed to cry that way. I'd like to express our heartfelt thank you for guiding us through the intricate world of TAM's finances and transportation funding. We commend your 17 years of dedication to TAM and your time and attention to the COC. We appreciate that you helped us fulfill the mission of the COC to ensure that the voter approved funding was spent in accordance with the expenditure plans and voters wishes. You patiently walked us through the bylaws, the budgets, the financial statements, the audits, and the economic trends and forecasts. You ensured we had consistent updates beyond TAMS finances to make sure that we were well informed about the progress of TAM's many transportation projects and programs. And you included us in celebrating successes, campaigns, groundbreaking events, and ribbon cutting ceremonies. You have involved the committee in the evolution of the voter approved measures and have provided us with a pro- prominent advisory position through the renewal of the half cent transportation sales tax, Measure AAA the amendment of the $10 vehicle registration fee, measure B. As your financial expertise has taught us the importance of local transportation funding, your caring instinct has also kept us well fed during uh-huh. many evenings with snacks, dinners, and desserts. We wish you success and fulfillment in your endeavors. Thank you for all that you've done for us. <laughs>
1: And I add to that, I thank, thank you Lee, for your guidance in helping us come up with an annual report every year and doing it cool. so helpfully and also for the different uh, profiles that you've made of 16 or 17 members. That's good.
0: I go back to when I joined. I was at uh, some fundraising event. <laughs> day she day
1: should,
5: day. And
0: yeah. she's sitting next to me and snagged me. That was what 2010. <laughs> Yeah. 2010. Yep. So it's been a long time. Yeah. It has now, been a while. You've yeah, done absolutely. a lot beyond your job. And uh you've been amazing. And Molly is now going to be stepping into be the COC liaison, yep. which yep. is very comforting since we've known you for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to that. But I think it's a great move for you. Sometimes telling her that sometimes you just have to close your eyes and jump. <laughs> and uh I'll be quick. Yeah. Otherwise, you will always regret it. So but you will be greatly missed.
6: Thank you. Well, thank you, everyone. I'm still working on my English, so but I think I'd I really want to let you know this is really one of the books that I truly enjoyed working with from the beginning. As Scott reminds us, we used to be in that well, L- L- and I. L- yeah, in the room that actually goes dark after <clears throat> six. Yeah. yeah, so we're all sitting at that for a couple of minutes, waiting for the coming janitor to come and turn the lights on and it we can get back to our meeting.
4: Many conference room at Public Works in the Civic Center? Oh my God. Oh.
6: Yeah. Yeah. They
4: had beautiful big chairs, but it was very weird. <laughs> but
6: you I really want know everyone in. I learned so much from this group, and I'm hoping I continue to learn from all of you, even after I leave Tam. Um, and, uh, I think it's going to be, well, it's going to be hard after 17 years is part of you, so. A
0: big <laughs> shoes to fill. Yeah.
6: Anyway, thank you, everyone. I, I cannot believe the make you read the whole letter. <laughs>
7: Fun.
0: All right. Anybody else want any, anything to say or we're all, we're all good? We know I'm going to say something. Oh, no. quite I know. <laughs> I know. You know Half ahead. an hour
8: Charlie. <laughs> okay well i I just want to tell you there are two pursuits that i've been involved with you personally on uh, the audit committee which was tremendous working with uh, not only interviewing auditors but also going through the criteria that they were going to use to assess each step of our programming and you did a wonderful job of mastering that not with private uh, accountants uh, working with us and then trying to decipher the best one that would be the best fit for uh, some of the reviews we're doing, like we'll do tonight. The other thing I wanna tell you is the new committee that several of us have been on, the diversity committee, that is making a recommendation tonight, based on your tremendous coordination and input from all of us contributing to that cause. You took all our suggestions and ideas, put them all in a formulated policy, And all of a sudden, what do we see in our packet today? A wonderful memo with all the details of what we talked about to Affinity. but we, we really, she made it all come together in a very cohesive way. So I can't tell you, Lee, how much I appreciate that. And I've worked in government for many, many years. And there's one thing that really rings true with you, no matter what I think about, and that's integrity. I have never found a public servant with as much integrity as you bring to the table every day. Thank you. Good job, Charles.
0: Thank you.
8: Alan? Yeah. You all may not know it, but Lee
9: has a sophomore in college. Um, I think we went through two pregnancies with you in, in, in the other two.
1: I had the first anyway
9: yeah. um raising a family like that and full-time job here is is quite a stunt to pull off
0: but you did it yeah. thank
6: you well it was well, one report. job
3: i think right it's,
6: it's yeah and that roles. one's much tougher i have to say
3: <laughs> <laughs> i have to say one thing i can't believe you're leaving because you would always call me starting with joining the committee and you'd ask me to do something. <laughs> and I try to like humble my way out of it. Like, I don't know much about that. And then I end up being on the group and working <laughs> on it. And then finally you called me about the equity committee and I said, well, like acting like I don't know anything doesn't work. So I like talked to your ear off for half an hour about all my ideas. And then she's like, we have enough people for the community. (laughs) So I finally figured out how to manage you. (laughs) But uh, but I do always, uh, you you really raise, I think, everyone's um, bar for what it is to be in public service and the role of government and the integrity of the people involved and their intelligence and their hard work. And government, you hear a lot of people who just all the problems are due to government. And so, oh, my taxes are going up. Just had my in-laws in town. So I just got a fresh earful about that. And I remind them, I say, they're really smart people. And it's the lawyer's fault. It's not the, the government. No, 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 no. But, it, but seriously, though, I do say, you know, you have to actually engage with local government. See, they're very smart people whose hands are tied with a lot of other Thanks, but you are working very hard, and you, you're doing good work, and I'm glad that the other agency will have you, and that the TAM had you for 17 years, and now just get a little more funding through Moran. We know, right? <laughs> yeah, okay.
6: So Thank you. you. Voted yes on it.
3: Yeah. yeah, and thanks for all the help. not work. All right. Okay,
0: let's move on before she starts crying.
6: I know. Enough embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so it's open time for public expression of three minutes per speaker on items not on the agenda that are within the subject matter of the agency's jurisdictions. Public is welcome to address the committee, but according to the Brown Act, the committee may not deliberate or take action on items not on the agenda. Do we have anybody,
2: Jennifer? Yes, Uh, Member Powers, please unmute. My comments were just
1: that I apologize for not being at the meeting. I really wish I could have been there in person, but I
6: also wanted to thank Lee for her leadership, um, her hand-holding, her encouragement and your friendship. Um, It's really made uh, participation in the oversight committee rewarding. So just wanted to say that. Thank you. Okay, I will still see you in the neighborhood.
4: I'll stop by, knock on the door. Yeah. Okay. I've got an open time item in the vein of the spirit of what we're talking about. First, I'd like to thank the TAM staff and board for putting on a great luncheon.
10: <laughs> I
4: think what you guys did, and and it's the first one I've been to in two or three years, is you had all the contractors there, all of the people who kind of work with you business-wise and contract-wise and a lot of people who didn't but were there anyway, kind of, you know, all the city council folks and stuff. But it was very well done. And a lot of people, just as Lee is now going to become retirees and, and former, former directors, former staff, and it was wonderful. It was just incredible. So I just want to say thank you very much. Yeah. Well done. My second you. Yeah.
5: Thank you very much for acknowledging that. It certainly wasn't me, but um, no, Jennifer, <laughs> the, the staff that worked on it did All work right. very hard, so we appreciate that. Anybody else, Jennifer?
2: Chair, I don't see any additional additional raised hands at this time. Okay. All right.
0: Thank you. Let's move on to item number three: the review and approval of the December fourth, twenty twenty three meeting minutes. Do we have any comments about the the uh, minutes?
10: Hearing none, I, I'll, rec- I'll propose that
0: the me- meeting
10: minutes be approved.
0: I'll second that. Okay, um, let's do a roll call for approval. We
1: don't, right. you do it. I don't. I you the roll call, so you No. Okay. Doctor. So we just yeah. all, in favor. All, in
0: favor? Yes. all in favor? Yes. All right. Anybody against?
4: Uh, abstain. Abstain. I wasn't there. I wasn't okay. <laughs> So
0: two abstentions. Two. Alan, did you? vote uh, yeah. for the minutes for the minutes oh approved So approved yeah, okay so read, two read abstentions read there vote yes. and todd and everybody else approved it. okay
5: um
4: time staff report
5: ah. okay thank you chair um so as usual i have a little powerpoint to highlight a few items so um we'll share that, and uh, we should have said this at the top, I guess, but Happy New Year to everyone. It is 2024 now, incredibly, and uh, here we are, are again for another great year at TAM, and we appreciate your continued service here, so thank you for that. Uh, next slide, please. Um, So last Friday, I had uh, the pleasure of joining the City of San Rafael staff and partners at a ribbon cutting celebration for the completed Third Street rehabilitation project. It's really Second Street and Third Street. And this was one of the original major roads projects from Measure A. Um, and TAM contributed almost $13 million to this project from the sales tax. And uh, if you've driven along 2nd or 3rd Street, I'm sure you've noticed the um, the bike lane, the crosswalks, the uh, traffic signal improvements. So the city really was able to do a lot in this extremely busy corridor. And um, there's a photo here from the ribbon cutting uh, on Friday. And, um, Pam Chair Brian Colbert and uh, Mayor Kate Collin and Supervisor Mary Sackett and uh, a couple of other uh, council members attended uh, as well to help the city celebrate. Next slide. Uh, a couple quick updates on the North South Greenway. So um, construction on kind of the next piece of it south of the bridge that was completed over Carmodaric Creek. So from that bridge along Old Redwood Highway to the pedestrian overcrossing Mm -hmm. um, in the city of Larkspur. So that segment uh, either started construction or is about to start depending on the weather um, right around now. And uh, that project should actually be done by the summer. So it's a pretty uh, quick construction window. The city of Larkspur is managing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, TAM has invited the design uh, funding and services for it. And uh, we're happy that it is um, ready to go. And I also wanted to mention that the bridge over Corte Creek, the one that opened a couple of years ago, uh, continues to rake in the awards. So um, two additional awards on top of the California Transportation Foundation Award that I think we previously announced. So the American Council of Engineering Companies um, gave this project the Engineering Excellence Honor Award. And then we just found out last week that the American Society of Civil Engineers um, California region gave it the Outstanding Bridge Project for the state, Mm -hmm. um, which is a really big honor. ASCE is a huge organization. They're in 170 countries and 150,000 members or so. Um, And uh, this project was selected for this statewide award. So um, that's a big honor and uh, kudos to Bill Whitney at TAM and the whole team um, for what's proving to be a really successful and popular project. Next slide. So turning to the Marin Commutes program, um, it's the new year. So Marin Commutes has a New Year Commute Challenge uh, that is rolling out starting this week. It's a six-week campaign. uh, So it'll run until close to the end of February. And during this time, Participants can earn additional rewards for logging green trips. We did an update to the TAM board in December on this program. So if anyone's interested in information about the participation rates and things like that, um, you can look back at the December board meeting. Um, And this new year challenge really builds on the ongoing uh, rewards programs that are part of um, marine commutes. So If you have any questions, let us know. And we'll appreciate if you can help spread the word about the programs as well. Next slide, Jennifer. Um, So uh, last month, mid-December, the USDOT announced the award of over $800 million in grants in their Safe Streets and Roads for All grant program. This is one of the new programs in the infrastructure bill. And um, TAM had applied for a grant of $544,000. And this is in the planning grant category um, to help support our Safe Routes to School program by uh, using these funds to develop additional um, safety action plans around the schools in Marin. And uh, we were really excited to learn that our full request uh, had been granted. So uh, we will go through the steps with the USDOT to actually um, secure the funds and then uh, be able to start doing the work in the coming months. But um, we are really excited about this grant. Next slide. Um, Just another quick announcement about funding for some of our partners, uh, also from the infrastructure bill. So there's a ferry program that's part of the various IIJA programs and, November saw an announcement of awards in that program, and two projects in the Bay Area were awarded funds uh, about $6 million to the Golden Gate Bridge District to replace the Sausalito ferry landing in Marin County, um, basically to kind of do significant repairs and upgrades on the float and uh, its connections. And then almost $16 million to the San Francisco Bay Area Water Emergency Transportation Agency or Weta, which is sometimes known as Bay Ferry, to retrofit two of their floats uh, with um, battery electric systems as well. And I think those are both um, in the city of Alameda and maybe downtown San Francisco also. Next slide. Continuing on the funding theme, um, the California Transportation Commission in December approved a $50 million grant to help MTC and Caltrans and their various project partners um, advance some of the ecological resilience um, projects related to the State Route 37 program. Um, So specifically, the funds will be used for restoration of a tidal marsh area um, in Solano County known as the Strip Marsh East that um, actually works with the roadway to help um, sort of protect the roadway and the areas on the other side of it. Um, and also for replacement of the existing bridge over Tolle creek, creek in Sonoma County, which is right by the intersection with um, Sears Point 121, with a longer bridge, which will help allow for increased creek flow and restoration of the wetlands in that area. So you can see in this photo here, um, there's a picture of the bridge over Tolle Creek. So if you picture a much longer bridge, uh, that will allow for the creek bed, basically, to be widened out as well. So will um, that be
10: built adjacent to the existing bridge and then they'll promote uh, the existing bridge? I
5: think it will be built in the same location as the existing bridge. I'm not sure how the construction phasing will work. I'm sure there will be more information about that at the time. But it's got to go through a whole you know, environmental and design process first.
0: It won't be in our lifetime. <laughs>
5: no, it probably will be in this as well. <laughs> it should be uh, in the next few years. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah.
6: Um.
5: Also wanted to mention, uh, not really on the slide, but related to Highway 37, that Caltrans and MTC uh, teamed up to make a little video tour of the State Route 37 corridor. Um. So. Uh, You can sort of travel with the project staff along the corridor, and they sort of get out at various points on 37 and talk about the different transportation and ecological challenges and opportunities. Um, It's a pretty nice video. It's a very difficult place to actually do a tour because there aren't that many places to pull off. So this is kind of a nice opportunity for anyone to see um, some of the kind of key areas. Um, and we can send out the link for that. Uh, I don't remember if it's linked on our website, Molly, or is it,
1: page. it is uh, on our yeah, page? it should
5: be. No, okay. put there tonight. OK, great. So, so check that out after tonight. And what's it called again here? Um, it's I don't remember what it's called. It's just a little video tour of the State Route oh, 37 corridor and the agency that's doing it. Uh, Caltrans and MTC currently created it. I'm pretty sure it's on the Caltrans website. It is on the resilient 3737.org. We link to it in the Traveler, but I can put it on the homepage. That'd be great.
1: Yeah.
5: Okay. Uh, Moving on to e-bike safety. This is something that we've talked about here before. Um, And um, I think we've kind of talked a bit about this over the last few meetings also, but Tam has uh, been working with um, the Marin Public Health Department. Um, And the county of Marin and within our Safe Routes program, Safe Routes to Schools program that is, to really try to focus on e-bike safety. Um, You may have seen the public health department is now separately tracking e-bikes and accident data. They've got uh, emergency responders now fill out a form about any kind of bicycle crash that they respond to. And so there's a lot more data starting to be available. Um, that's all publicly available. They have a kind of a dashboard that I think they update every week that anyone can look at. Um, and then, along with that, our Safe Routes program staff has started uh, rolling out some e bike safety tips. Um, they're working on messaging. They did a um, kind of information session for parents um, that was hosted in Nevado in late <coughs> November, early December. Um, <coughs> And um, uh, Marin Public Health also issued what they call public health advisory, which is basically an advisory to all of the um, pediatricians in Marin County to kind of give them information about e-bikes and alert them. They should be telling families that kids need to wear helmets and, you know, ride safely. So, um, some of the kind of messaging on this and the data collection is starting to come together, I think, in a new way. There has been concern about it for a while, but now there's kind of more um, analytical approach that's uh, coming together.
4: And, yep. and has staff looked at uh, Damon Conley's legislative proposal yet?
5: um yes and and uh i mean mary sackett has commissioner mary sackett supervisor sackett has been a key partner in right. this and i think right. she was also very involved working with assembly member. so you're tracking
4: that as well that
5: will be tracked as part of our legislative work yeah yeah and i know mill valley has adopted an ordinance related to e-bike safety and i think some other jurisdictions maybe are considering yeah. something <laughs> similar. is this kind <laughs> been- of
1: yeah.
5: I'm sorry? Is it a nationwide problem? Uh I would my sense is yes. I don't, I don't know for sure, but my sense is yes. And it's, you know, it's a um uh there's a little bit of uh needing to balance things in this too, because you know, Tam also in the safe roots program also wants to continue to promote active transportation as a you know healthy and safe. Um, way to get around and get to schools. Um, but there are some sort of additional safety concerns with e-bikes and kids. So trying to really focus in on like what are the problems and how to how to address those so that they can be used safely by kids and people of all ages. I think she promised they're
1: that
5: they're that Yes. They've been working with the county yeah. as well. Yeah. I
9: do that. Excellent too. For the, for the fishing. What so that's what's what well, a
5: big, big part of it yeah for, yeah yep. uh okay next slide please i'm i'm getting there here <laughs> i'm sorry <Okay. laughs> um so i wanted to mention to all of you you know we have uh marine transit come to this group once or twice a year to provide an update on their services and over the last few months um cham has been involved in a group working with them and um, our partners in Sonoma County's Transportation Authority, MTC, Santa Rosa City Bus, Sonoma County Transit, Petaluma Transit, SMART, and Golden Gate Transit. And um, this was really started when Golden Gate uh, Bridge District um, was kind of starting to develop and seek input on a strategic plan for the district, and they're still in the process of developing that, but they actually brought together all these transit entities for a conversation about transit service in the U.S. 101 corridor, and out of that, um, this kind of working group has now been formed, and um, the staff is looking at a transit service um, planning e- exercise in the two counties with all these transit operators to try to look at um, how to optimize service in the corridor, um, you know, hopefully reduce overlaps, figure out where people are really um, going and coming from, and what would be the best trip For them, regardless of who operates it. So, um, that work will be uh, going for the next few months, and uh, Tam will continue to be part of that as well.
9: Who are you leading this?
5: Well, it's kind of just a staff led group. So, um, you know, we have a little bit of a rotating chair situation for it, but it's really um, the staff doing the work collaboratively.
9: And can Can you point to some that, some typical overlap uh, that they're dealing with?
5: Uh, I'm really not uh, as close enough to the details of that. And the work's just really starting. So I haven't seen, they haven't produced any maps yet or anything like that. But I mean, just as an example, SMART runs up and down the 101 corridor. And um, a few of the transit agencies have services that may run in at least parts of that same area. and there may be good reasons for that um, in terms of you know how they operate or the hours or where they go when they get on or off the freeway. Um, so but that was just one example that came to mind. Uh, next slide please. So, this is an update of uh, the chart that we often show you all of some of our community um, activities or presentations. So, um, you know, things were a little quieter during the holidays, I would say, but uh, over the fall in general, we had a lot of these kinds of presentations and events. And uh, I think that will pick back up in the spring as well. And as always, if any of your organizations uh, would like updates from TAM on particular topics or just general overviews, we're happy to do that.
8: I just comment on okay. uh, the rotary Club that Ignacio is there yes. both Peter and I are members and I want to tell you Molly and respond
5: Nick
8: Molly was there and uh, Nick, Nick. 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 yes and they did an excellent job of explaining highway 37 101 the uh, narrows the whole thing. And I thought it was great. And I said, boy, you should take this on the road. (laughs) Someday, Someday maybe they will. But I thought they did a one-two punch. And it was excellent. And everybody appreciated it. I just wish the city had been there because it was a wonderful update. We had a lot of good news to report. And uh, more people need to hear that. So thank you. Great. Well,
5: thank you for inviting the team. We appreciate that very much. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, next slide, Jennifer. And on this one, I'm actually gonna turn it over to Lee to talk about uh, the tour that she is working on putting together. So
6: actually, this is kind of my thank you, final gesture to the committee. I've been <laughs> wanting to do a tour um, for the committee, but haven't really um, find the time and I have to make this happen. So the staff is very supportive and is more in transit. Nancy was very supportive. So I know Jan sent an email to the committee already, asked everyone to RSVP, um, you know, as you know, more than half the money goes to Marine Transit and I think we have great you know, reviews and questions about Marine Transit's operational over the years. So I think it's great to take you guys out to a Marine Transit facility to see them in action. And they actually also, Jerry's offered to have a bus to take the committee up to the MSN, the Marine Sonoma Narrow's construction site. Um, since we have some, you know, action going out there, the, one of the main projects will be we'll right. right now. So I'm hoping most of you can make it. Um, I only, you know, I, I consult with the chair and vice chair. Um, we find some dates. Obviously it's not possible to coordinate everybody's schedule. So hopefully this day will work for as many of you as, you, as we can get. And uh, we are working on the details. Um, so the general idea right now is probably we'll start about nine or ten in the morning and then uh go have a tour of the marine transit maintenance facility, have lunch there, and then they will pass us out to the MSA site. So probably plan for a five five to six hours most um you know field trip.
10: And so, guaranteed no rain.
6: That's,
8: that's what we're going to, yeah. I want to make sure there's no
6: rain. Ice or snow <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. We made it or anything. Yeah. Ice snow <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, so if the weather, you know, does not hope for it, I think we still be able to hope do a bus one. And, and marine Transit staff probably can take us, you know, check out, probably just go through a couple of uh, sites, but we will not be able to walk around the construction site, obviously. But the marine Transit facility is indoor, so. And totally
1: yeah yeah,
11: guys, yeah. It,
9: the uh, maintenance facility is that the um corner uh the one corner
6: on i think the plan right now is the plan of one which is the um transit and they also the box the, the lot next to it so but this there's, there's not much to show there but they can give you a like a planet update so i think it will be you know okay good
5: of the learning
12: transit operations, yeah. What's the schedule for the Narrows completion? Is there one?
5: Uh, there is one, yes. Yeah. I think it's um, end of the year, end of 2025, 26? Spring 26?
12: Yeah, somewhere in, somewhere in the later
5: half of okay. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> I did, <but> yeah. <laughs> also somewhat dependent on weather. But we're
1: almost on
2: board the boat. Go to the next slide. <laughs> I think we see
1: this slide. I didn't have to
5: do that <laughs> thing. <interesting. laughs> <laughs> Snuck
8: that in your great
5: question. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay, that concludes my report and uh happy to answer any additional
0: questions. Thank you, <laughs> Yeah. Any comments or questions? No, okay. Yeah. Uh, item number five: yeah. annual selection of C.O.C. chair and vice chair.
6: So I will start the item. Um, so for those of you who probably newer to the committee, the bylaw um, requires annual now biannual election of the chair and vice chair on the even year on the first meeting of every even years. Um, I think as Zach kind of alluded to, you know, this is really a here. Everybody really kind of like you know um contributes your time and and to the to the to the extent you can so we haven't had um I guess com- competition for the job <laughs> <laughs> A
0: competition something
6: like <laughs> I know it's like I can only yeah I guess get enough of you guys to actually kind of listen to me. Yeah, and waiting to help. So, But anyway, so uh, with this election. so Peter actually served as the chair since 2018 and Kevin joined as the vice chair in 2021. So staff actually sent out a um, email to the whole committee, asked for additional volunteer a nomination. We haven't got any, Um, so- It's a good job.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't pay very well,
8: but it's a good job. We're working on that. Yeah.
6: <laughs> So if that's the case, um, I think Charlie, you have- Yes, I I
8: would like to say uh, that we have heard that Peter and Kevin would be interested in continuing in their roles. And as you know, their roles are- Subject to silence from everyone else. Yes, exactly, exactly. (laughs) But we're talking about a two-year term. And so I'd like to uh, take the privilege to make the motion, since this is an action item, uh, that we uh, would uh, nominate our coc chair peter palin and our vice chair kevin hatterdy for a two-year term uh starting second sure nobody's had any second
0: thoughts. you know author chocolate and
6: coffee I understand
10: it comes with a doubling of our salaries, is that true?
1: <laughs> oh, right. Yeah.
6: That not, that's more than doubling. Double zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I get better than that? Yeah.
0: So by popular acclaim. Okay. So we need to Take vote. A vote. Take a, vote. Take a vote. vote. All in favor. Aye. 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 Any abstentions? Okay, I'll vote. All oh, in favor. So any, any uh any objections? No? Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Should ask for public
0: comment. Oh.
1: public
2: comments.
0: Comment? Yeah. Janet any public comments?
2: I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Okay, thank you, Jennifer.
0: Thank you. Okay, item number six the review of the measure a, AAA compliance audit.
6: So that'll be again. Uh, it's my last thing, I'm taking full advantage of it. Um, so, Ben, okay, here comes Ben. So, a team effort between me and our auditor, Ben, um, who is a partner with Moss Levy at I think many of you probably have seen Ben over the years, his firm actually helped with the first compliance audit, <clears throat> that was about 10 years ago, and then we they rotated out and we have them coming back again for another five year uh, audit cycle. Um, so I'm going to start with a general overview of the process. Jen, we can go to the next slide. So for some of you, this is kind of repetitive. You know, many of you actually was involved in the policy development. Again, the expenditure plan, both the A A and the B uh, expenditure plan, require well allows TAM this or to audit. Again, goes goes back to the public trust piece. We want to make sure we can confidently tell the public that we are spending the funds according to the expenditure plan. Um, so the compliance audit. Audit policy was actually first, again, talking about working with this group and learning so much over the years. This group actually guides through that process back in 2010. That's when we adopted the first initial compliance audit policy. Then we revised it in 2020 um, to include the Measure AA projects and programs. Um, we started the first round of the audit back in 2011, and this is our 13th round. So, next slide, please. Again, this is probably more detailed than you need to know, but just in terms of um, how we select the authorities every year, I know in the past, the question come up, like why are we selecting a project that we finished three or four years ago? Um, it is a you know balanced act because we have many different categories and a different expenditure plan. We have big agencies, solutions small agencies, you know, the north part of the county versus the southern part of the county and different projects. Um, so every year we look at the projects we finished um, over the last few years and kind of look at the categories we have to select and then we come up with the selection list. Um, but in general, what we do is we try not to audit any agency in a row because you know every agency is busy enough. So we want to respect the time, um, but we also want to make sure agencies are getting checked periodically. So we know things are still going well. Um, so the next slide please um so again this is still going back to um the audit frequency um uh, just want to point out even though measure a sunset in 2018 we still have some projects are uh, still going on um you know we're transit is still spending some of the reserve funds from the measure a reserve which again this this uh, committee helped with putting that files together and we still have a couple of major roads project. um and then once those are done we have no more major project and the, the sales tax commitment and then we also have safe pathway to school um projects that allocated years ago but for various reasons hasn't fully really completed so it depends on you know the, the balance act as i said um some of the projects some of the older projects might still come to you as part of the audit process next slide please <laughs> so this is this year's um you know, 2023 not this year anymore i guess last year's now um uh, this is the 2023 audit process timeline so we have the selection of the audit teams back in june 2023 and then we had a, a audit workshop on august 31st which is open to okay. all the funding recipients because we do want to you know keep that going and people get educated because you know I think there the tend to be a lot of turnovers at local jurisdictions. Once they have new staff, it's good for them to come and at least have some basic understanding of how the process works. And then uh, between October and December, that's when Ben starts to work with all the agencies we select this year to go through you know, the checklist and, and sort out, you know, various um, um, documents that he has to review and come up with his uh, conclusion about this year's cycle the 2023 cycle. And after your review and acceptance tonight, you're going to recommend the TAM board to take action at the January 25 TAM board meeting. So, next one, please. Um, so, hopefully, you can read it. I actually cannot read it anymore. I oh, here I think I was able to read it 17 years ago. No, I cannot read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have. Um, so in general, we have more in transit, which you know, because they're getting 55% of money. So we do audit them every year. Um, and then you know, Then we have um, TV, which actually is a change. Um, it's a it's a consultant firm we select this year. Usually, you probably don't see, you know, consulting professional uh, firms, other than the safe house mm-hmm. school school uh, contract we have. But this is on the interchange study because um, as I tell the team, this is actually is also our audit of the TAM team, how we manage our own contract, how we manage our own agreement. Um, then you got City of Mill Valley, which is for the major roads project, um, and Fairfax for the usage of local streets and roads, which is the formula funding they get that they can put out any street, uh, local streets and roads related project. Um, then we also have Town of and Tiburon and Blacksburg for two safe pathway uh, to school projects this cycle. So with that, I think actually it's Ben's turn to take over. So Ben will walk um walks through the six audits he conducted, he and his team conducted this cycle and share the results with the committee. So Ben, it's all yours.
13: All right. Thank you, Lee. Um, I think you largely already covered uh, you know, what measures and what project we looked at for the year, but I'll just briefly talk about which project and um if if it's a construction project that's been completed, you know, go over the completion date. Um, So um, I'm happy to say that there weren't any findings or observations in the current um, audit period. The only item of concern was regarding the, um, some of the billing with the contractor with HNTB. Um, You know, Tam's relationship with them is a little bit, um, it's a little bit different than the traditional uh, relationship with a contractor, where you know you're just being billed for work. It the contract itself does allow TAM or us as outside um, auditors to review some of their internal documents, timekeeping documents, and payroll records. Um, so we did have a small hiccup in regards to that uh, contractor, but you know we kind of ironed out the issue. Um, you know if there's any. Concerns regarding that, I'll let Lee kind of cover more details uh, to that regard. Um, So that was for Measure AA Category 1 funding, and that's for the contract that began in the fiscal year 1920, and we looked at their um, invoicing all the way through 630 of 23, so the end of the 23 fiscal year. Um, For the Town of Fairfax, we looked at Measure AA 2.1, fiscal year 21-22 funding, that one to, uh, went towards Rendon, I guess you say, is it Rendon, W-R-E-D-E-N, Rendon Avenue, and Scenic uh, Road. And that project was completed in April, on April 5th of uh, 2023. For the city of Larkspur, we looked at um, Measure AA 4.3, South Elysio Bike Lane and Splitter Island, and construction completed on June 29th of 2020. Um, Marin transit, we looked at all their fiscal year, 22, 23 funding and it was for ver- various um, categories and strategies within measure a and AA, uh, you can see the report for more details, uh, in that regard, city of mill Valley. We looked at their fiscal year, twenty twenty one funding for measure a 3.1, and it was used for the E. Blythdale rehab phase one, which was completed on July 7th of 2022. AND FOR THE TOWN OF TIBURON, WE LOOKED AT FISCAL YEAR 2021 AND FISCAL YEAR 21 22 FUNDING FOR MEASURE AA 4.3 um, uh, FOR THE DEL MAR MIDDLE SCHOOL IMPROVEMENTS um, COMPLETED in, ON AUGUST 16TH OF 2022. Um, uh, SO THAT'S ALL THE INFORMATION um, I WANTED TO PRESENT. AND IF YOU HAVE detailed, I DON'T HAVE ALL THE DETAILED REPORTS AND uh, COMPLIANCE ITEMS. In front of me so if there's any detailed questions you can field them to myself or lee and then we'll get back to you at a later time thank you for your time for all any other any questions comments yeah
11: what he mentioned a hiccup yeah can he elaborate or someone elaborate on how big the hiccup was let me
6: yeah let me elaborate on that with the hiccup so what Ben was talking about really is the billing rate. So we have the contract with HNTV as um, we reported. Um, so there is a specific term in our contract says, any rate increase has to be approved the same way that the contract was approved. So basically that means every time the consultant company, the consultant team has a rate increase, which as you probably know, reasonably you can expect annual at least. Um, so every time they have a rate increase, we have to take the contract back to the ten board for approval. Um, so I have to say the team probably didn't realize we had such a strict rate approval term in the contract with the consultant. Um, so when Ben's team took the contract, so what they do as audit, they'll just take the contract, they take the agreement, they read every term, they're gonna come back and check you against every term. So um, So basically in that sense, we did not. When the rate come in, the consultant communicate with the team, we think it's reasonable, then we have an email chance showing it's approved, but we didn't take it back to the board. So that was the heck of it. Um, and, and again, what we learned from this process, basically we need to go back with our own contract. We need to see whether, when, when we sign the contract, we need to make sure all the terms are not too uh, strict in this case because to an extent, you know, having a rate increase of every consultant team and take them back to the board. That's not really necessary in terms of agency operation unless it's out of you know, reasonable range. Um, so we basically need to go check our own contract, make sure um, we if it's in there, it's still in there, we need to follow it. And for future contract, obviously, what the team will make sure is we don't have something in there that either is too burdensome or is something that we cannot follow ourselves. So that's what we are going to you know, improve in terms of our own contract management. Um, so Ben's team had a discussion because initially we will have that discussion whether this will be finding, because obviously we're not following on contract, or this can be, again, as what he said, a, a observation, a, a, uh, something he noted to us and we learn from it. Uh, by the end, you know, we're just we're grateful that Ben's the team after the review all the documents after the review all the records they feel is it's not sufficient enough to call it a observational finding
11: so was there a rate increase and it was approved was, without the board's approval
6: with that, there was rate increases without the board approval but the initial contract and not to exceed amount uh, was approved by the board so the rate increase then you can uh, help me confirm i think it's annually about three to four percent which would be the reasonable? Was you know, was was the salary increase of any agency or any uh, consultant support team?
11: to four percent of what amount?
5: Of what they have prior. Basically, it's the hourly rate.
11: Do you have that number?
5: Well um, it depends f- on the position. Yeah, it's by position. So yeah. different, you know, staff have different billing rates and some of them increase and some of them may not have increased by the same amount. So it's so,
11: after the fact, years. did the board say that you did okay by approving it without their approval?
6: So so when we take this to the PAN board, I guess we will it's oh, it's a consent, but we would note this. Um I don't in a way, I guess that's a good question. So should we actually go back to the board at this time point to see we had the increase and then, <coughs> then we approve it? I think that's one option we can do. You know, it yeah. should be
0: within tolerance. It's just seeing, report yeah. right, just again, it rather than ask for approval.
6: Again, this is one contract I think it kind of slips through because most of the contract, it has to built- in. It basically says, you know, it's reasonable. Without additional approval, you can have up to certain amounts, 3%, 5%. Again, this is a contract for whatever reason we carry it in a, a clause, which I think it's not really operational efficient and it's not really reasonable unless you know unless the increase is outreach, then of course we
5: and also or if it causes the project to exceed its budget, yeah. but in this
6: case well, yeah. it did not. Yeah, the project still stayed within within the contract. The so the overall contract authority is not, you know, exceed it's just how much they charge. And then we do have a clause in there. You know, one of the justification, which is why Ben's team is comfortable, is because our contract manager basis says, you know, as long as they don't oversee the overall contract, I'm oh, sorry, the board approved and they get all the work done and that's sufficient. Um, but again, this is one of the attorney Definitely need to make sure we can close attention.
11: But Ben Ben's an outside contract. He doesn't work, Us. Okay, and, and you say, he his uh his team approved of the increase.
5: No, 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 no. The TAM project yeah. manager, yeah, yeah. Ben's with the auditing firm, and so they they right. they are not part of this HNTV contract. That's between TAM and this consultant named HNTV. So, my understanding, Lee, is you can correct me, is that when HNTV proposed to the TAM project manager, you know, one of our staff people, this increase. They reviewed it, they decided it was appropriate and still within the contract amount. And so they approved it and yeah. they were perceived on. So, so Ben's team did not uh, have any role in that part. They just found this as part of their review this year, this cycle okay. oh, the process, yeah, yeah. Thanks are you're,
9: you're, you're all good? No, it was the same question. Okay, all right. I've been there, done that. Not everyone wanna to go to the board. <laughs> <laughs>
8: awesome. Well, my question is, we read the report there wasn't any reference to this and now we're hearing there was a hiccup uh, i'm just worried about the tam board if if they read the audit report are you going to bring this up as an additional discussion item I, I just how are you going to approach this because i'm surprised that you're talking about this because what i saw in the audit report didn't mention it so the audit report
6: didn't mention because they only point out findings Yes. so this is not you know serious enough to qualify as a funding so what we can do is we can definitely summarize the coc discussion here tonight mm-hmm. uh when we take the item to the 10 board we will have that as part of the coc review process and let the book we'll just, just yeah. no
13: surprises uh, yeah you mm-hmm. know that's that's the key
6: yeah mm-hmm. no like
13: great Right. i think um so when when we're doing the measure a compliance we're The entity that we're looking at is the contractor in question whether or not they acted appropriately according to the contract to the best of his knowledge his rate increases were being approved because it was communicated to him in that manner from the project manager so we don't believe that the contractor was non-compliant and our audit doesn't include auditing the, um, it doesn't, you know, if, if we're performing the TAM audit, and we picked something related to this project, and we may have, a, a, you know, a question regarding it. But when we looked at the terminology of what we're actually looking at, we don't believe that HNTB was non-compliant with their contract, because to the best of his knowledge, his billing rates are being approved, because the invoices are being paid, the project manager is aware of the increases. And I think you asked about the percentage, so. Um, it from 2021 um, of February of 2021 through June of 2022. The total rate increase is approximately 7.3 uh, percent across those uh, those years. So, but then
6: goes back to again. So the audit team here is HNTB, which is why the report does not flag it. As I mentioned uh, when I you know, my overview, this is also a process that helps us to look at what we can internally improve. Um, so I think Ben said better in terms of why there's no finding, but again, we can summarize, you know, the improvements and the things that we need to work on in terms of internal contract mm-hmm. management. Um, and we will put that yes, better, exactly. as part of the COC review when we present that to the board. So, um,
1: are the project managers
6: responsible for being familiar with the terms of the contracts? Well, again, you know, over the years, it's, I, 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 which is the one thing we keep reminding everybody, you know, you will not believe during this audit process, during the workshop, one thing I highlight for all the funding recipients is go back with your funding agreement. You know what's in the funding agreement. Because there's so many contracts, so many agreements, so many of us just tend to like, okay, make sure the dollar amount's right, make sure the dates is right, and then kind of skip to all the other terms. And this is why this kind of process is helpful um but this is also again i i have been there i have done it so many times so i think it's part of the human nature we do need the actual help the outside help to push us and you know a little bit more helpful yeah. so i think this is definitely one of the things staff will learn and we will definitely one thing Ann and i have been telling the whole team bring your own contract you know if, if it's not reasonable and we know it's too much too burdensome for us to put it in there let's just make sure it's not it doesn't get in there
11: um, so' good well so um what he just said was uh, 7.3 so it's about 3.6 percent each year 2021 22 so we can expect around 3.6 3.7 in the next year so
6: again Ben do you have the
13: number for the next year is that Ben uh what well, I i
6: yeah, keep in mind. Oh, no, no, I'm yeah.
13: sorry. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't have it for 2023 because our, our sample pool was the entire um, period, but we we obviously don't look at every invoice. So we our tested invoices were in 21 and 22. So we don't have one from 23, uh, the detailed invoice. Yeah. So again, so one thing,
6: just keep in mind, 21... 2021 to 2022, that's where the inflation um really hit almost everyone. And but again, was this contract? So now from now on, because the contract term, any rate increase, we will not, yeah, we will we will have to go through the board review. The board
7: will mm-hmm.
2: have to
6: accept it. Uh so we we'll definitely make sure we don't repeat that same mistake. Yeah.
10: <laughs> I'm just curious, if if you take it back to the board, is it typically on consent calendar?
6: It's typically so it's yeah. Again, yeah. Again, Something the like, most important yeah. thing our contract managers, you know, kind of justifies the most important thing, you know, it's hold them to the total amount, not to exceed and make sure they finish the work. Um and and usually when we actually have to ask for contract increase, we usually don't put on consent. I think we we would justify to the board. Contract
10: increase, but not increase. No, not increase and
6: in the rate. rate, because the rate will change every year. Yeah, yeah. You know, many of yeah. us, you know, some of you on the on the on the on the consultant side, on the private side, you know, kind of have to, you know, even for us, we have to get an annual invoice.
0: And if it it's within the contract, doesn't it doesn't matter.
6: Usually, it, it it doesn't. But I guess we kind of tied our own pants in this particular contract with that yeah. term oh. in there, which is what the other picked up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And many of our contracts, most of the majority of contracts actually, will have a term in there. You know, the contract so up to certain amount, up to five percent up to certain amount, it doesn't need be additional people because that's reasonable, you know, to expect. Okay. That. All right, I
0: think we've discussed if that. that
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: any other any other comments? Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chair, do you need an uh, action on this? The
6: the action. Audit? We it.
8: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to make a motion we uh adopt the measure. A, a a compliance audit as presented. Okay, thank you, Charlie. And
6: refer to the board for acceptance. Yeah, there's no motion. And, and yeah.
0: report to report, and it, report to ahead. the board for acceptance. I'll second. Okay, Kevin second. Uh all in favor. Aye. Right. Right. Uh, anybody against? Any abstaining? No. Okay. Unanimous approval. Um break time, 15 minutes. Right. It's 6:04. <laughs> well, four minutes over my uh, allotted
7: time let's call it Um, is the approval of
0: the committee name and membership change.
6: <laughs> so I would take the lead in terms of reporting to the committee and then also, obviously, as you know, this is really a team effort with everyone who helped on the subcommittee. Uh, I'm going to go first name because even you cannot see Heather's last name. So I'm not really going to try. <laughs> so I want to thank member, you know, Peter, Charlie, Scott, Kristen. Um, Kevin and Heather, for helping and serving on um, the committee. So we had a total of three meetings, very productive. You know, the reason staff was able to give you a good final recommendations really all the great information every one of you um, shared with uh, with the with staff during the study process. So what we have for you tonight is really um, three recommendations uh summary. So the first one is the name change um, from Citizens Oversight Committee to Community Oversight Committee. Um, we did get legal confirmation. So I do want to point out the Citizens Oversight Committee name is actually in the ballot measure language. And it's also in the expenditure plan. Um, but legal county council did give us a legal um, confirmation that even though it's in it's in the in the ballot me- measure, so you still have to wait for Citizens Oversight Committee, but you can do business as it is. So what we can do is in the expenditure plan, all in the bylaw, you know, for the uh, for for the interim in the administrative administration told in the bylaw, we just put on we're doing business as Community yes. Oversight Committee. Um, so that will be the interim process. And then when we were doing the Measure AA expenditure review process, we will also make sure that expenditure plan allow us to do business as, you know, community um, to have that language in there as well. But legal does believe, you know, with that it's sufficient for us to go ahead and do the name change once the board approves it. And we just need to amend the bylaw and administration code to reflect that change. So that's on the name change. And then in terms on the membership, so we do have um, um, our recommendation is we will have two new member membership seats to refract the needs of the underserved um, the equity, you know, the equity um, community. Um, the legal confirmation here, I guess the caveat here is because the membership, the 12 membership, well, the 12 membership we have currently is specific named in the expenditure plan. So we cannot add those two as voting member yet. So we will have to do the Measure A uh, expenditure plan review process and in the same language that we did with the Measure B process. If you remember with the Measure B expenditure plan amendment process, we actually added the language to all the TAM board to have discretionary to review and, and, and make sure the COC, their member structure reflects the needs of the community. So we will do the same with the measure AA, but in the interim, county council is comfortable that we have those two as non-voting members because I think it would take us time to kind of really put the Molly will be the lead staff in this case to put the implementation plan together to go out to the community and to reach out and to find the right um you know member to come. So I think those two us to two new uh, members, uh, and then. The Measure A amendment process will be starting late 2024, early 2025, and I think we will get that done early 2026. So we are looking at a two-year time frame here, but I think with the implementation, with the outreach, I think it will work out probably very smoothly. And then we can have the person come in as a full new member after that. And then we do, as Kevin referred to. Uh, you're going to get a double increase in terms of your pay, um, and really as part of the equity discussion, and also really over the years, um, you know, Ann and I, even Guy and I, years ago, we talked about um, this is really a very deadly poop and, you know, we're serving as dinner, but, you know, the other little ways we can do to show our appreciation, so but then I also got some strong pushback from the subcommittee when I want to offer this as a fixed stipend. Some of you said, well, we don't want to take it, we're gonna um, donate back to TAM. So we made it discretionary. Yes. So it's totally it's it's discretional. I mean, you know, we will work out again, Molly will work out um the details in terms, you know, how in terms the implementation. Um the main the main idea here is really we we want to show Appreciation and also really with the new member coming in, we want to make sure people don't feel a burden, that they don't, you know, they don't have ways to get here or they have to take time off work to serve on this committee. So that's um, the new membership and, and also the stipend for the COC. And then um, the last part, which is the part I, I guess, you know, Charlie, you brought it up, um, you know, when Anne and I met with you during the pandemic about what we can do for the community, which is the mentorship with the student. Um, so again, the implementation plan Molly will work with either subcommittee or I, I set you know, a couple of minutes to put this together. The ideal is um, we'll actually work with more in transit. We do I do have more in transit staff by you know, if they want to be part of this program too. So we'll start um, probably towards um, what well, the end of the school year, which is in June and early summer, we will start with a summer internship program with the student from um, a, you know, um and the community would po- provide student internship with pay and get the student training. And then once the summer is over, hopefully the student will have sufficient knowledge about some basic operation. And then we would like some of you, you know, again, volunteer-based, to help serve as mentor to work with the student, you know, having maybe, maybe share your experience with the student, taking the student out to different sectors or you know, taking, you know, kind of kind of being um, helping the student come to the meeting. Um, so it will be a student advisor membership. So we cannot have the student as a full member because the student advisor membership cannot vote, obviously. And then uh, it will be one year, because I think it would obviously too much for us to have the same student for four years for a student to come at that much time, to one program for four years. So we do a one year program with that, with the mentor mentee program.
0: So will that tie to the school year?
6: Yeah. So try to type the school year start in the summer with the with the training, with the both agencies. And again, um, you know, we have some success over the years with our high school interns. We actually got a plan out of it, we got an engineer out of it. So I'm, i would not be surprised we got you know um, some transportation and transit professions out of this program. So that's the overall recommendation from the subcommittee. <laughs> And um, so we're looking for the whole committee's process tonight, and then we will take to the task board for acceptance. And then after that, it will be the vital amendment and all the, the implementation of action.
8: Yeah. Charlie? Uh, well, I'd like to make a motion to accept this, and then we can have some discussion. That'd be all right. Should we well, yeah, do discussion first? Well, I know you've done discussion first. Well, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Let me yeah. just say on the discussion side, <clears throat> Thank you, Peter, for sort of running the show here for the last three meetings. That's really worked out great for the committee. And thank you, of course, Lee, for putting all this together. This is so exciting because we're talking about diversity. We're talking about equity. And we're taking TAM into the communities maybe we're not servicing right now and saying, hey, we're not only wanting you to be knowledgeable of what we're doing, but we also want to put you on our advisory committee, our, our, our COC. And so I'm so excited about this. And then the component with a student here you know, to be mentored, I think it's great. Again, you know, Peter and I are on the, on the Rotary uh, group. Many Rotary clubs have scholarships that they give students uh, deserving students who <laughs> may be uh, disadvantaged, whatever the case may be. So I'm hoping this internship can not only help TAM and the students learn, the students <laughs> who want to go on to advanced education, there would be rotary funds available for that person to move on. So if it was a two-year associate degree, uh, that person could get uh, funding for the associate degree after the mentorship. So what I love is this is a, just a start, but it's a way. And Terra Linda, by the way, Terra Linda High School, if you're not already familiar, is starting a brand new program on the trades. And so we think we might be able to find eligible participants even out of that program because they're trying to bring people from all around Marin County to learn the trades. And just take, for example, a uh, mechanic. A mechanic could come and go through this mentor program Then get trained at a community college like College of Marin, and then end up with a job at uh, Marin Transit, you know, as a mechanic. So there are all kinds of things you mentioned, you know, engineers and higher professions. But if you're looking (laughs) at trades, it's going to be a great thing. And as you all know, uh, Marin is lacking trades in the development of such. And so if we can help there, it'd be tremendous. So. I can't tell you how excited I am to see this program come together and be recommended to the TAN board for So is that a motion? I will be happy. That's a long <laughs> motion. <laughs> no, no, no. That was discussion. Oh, so he
4: doesn't get the discussion. <laughs> no, no.
8: Well, I will make a motion that we put, uh, equity committee's recommendation, all four points, uh,
0: for approval and recommendation to the TAN board. I
4: second.
0: Second by Scott. Uh, any discussion or any comments? Okay. I
1: personally don't care for community oversight committee. I'd, I'd rather have it be something like volunteer oversight committee or something. Well, it doesn't start with
10: a C. Though.
1: It has to start with a C. Well, I'm just <laughs> with the I, yeah, we're trying to keep this in
6: the CFC, you know. as as
12: as as Yeah.
6: Well, the main question is right. really the implication of the word it's it's long long Yeah, right. yeah. So, but yeah. It, it's, it's a called volunteer, oversight like community. It's
1: you know that that also means to people that you're not professional, I don't <laughs> know. Community kind of uh, it kind of threw me a little bit because it we're, we're, some of these are like representatives of communities, like Ross Valley or whatever. But some of them are organizational or special interest. They're not really community representatives. I don't know. It just it's just my thought that I I am confused by the term community oversight
6: because it makes it seem like you're oversighting a community.
0: <laughs> Is there any precedent
1: in other? You no,
6: know, I have to say we're the first one changing that word. Most of the most citizens' oversight or citizen watchdog community, um, so.
1: I mean, I think people understand the term oversight committee, you know, that it, particularly in, you know, all these things that have to do with funding. I think, I think we're
0: just trying to accommodate those people that are not
1: citizens. Yeah. So if you call them volunteer oversight committee, it does the same thing.
0: But then if we're paying aside the then, is that well, like
4: I, they're not volunteers anymore?
1: Sure. No, still
4: <laughs> so well the way well, in our discussion of our committee was very specific very targeted saying that we believe that you can't words have meaning exactly. okay and we did survey 18 or 20 other right. committees that were Oversight of different name. names they weren't all citizen. They weren't all, they were stakeholder, they're all kinds of names that were used. And so when we came up with the idea of a community oversight committee in the transportation of TAM, it seemed to make sense. Um I'll just say that I'm kind of the orphan child out in West Marin anyway. So I'll I'll bring it up, is that I find it really, really, really hard. <clears throat> to instill in the citizenry of West Marin the sense that they have any kind of say at all. Now, when it comes to overnight <laughs> overnight accommodations and second home taxes, they've jumped into it. And the supervisors and everybody else have created these new ones. But for transportation, people just aren't aware, okay? And I don't know what the barriers are, but I think we, the more we take the barriers down, the better it is. So my other point was about the high schools. And I think mm-hmm. I think we should as much as possible viewer away from any particular high school named and let it be an open, open forum. <clears throat> because I'll tell you what, if anybody here driven by San Rafael High School recently. It's reinvented itself right. because of the because of the Gelati Foundation putting huge millions and millions of dollars. They've rebuilt a new STEM center. They've rebuilt a new gym. They've rebuilt it. So
1: campus now.
4: <laughs> so so it and yet it's still a very disadvantaged campus. And you drive by, and I drive when I'm out there, I drive by twice a day. 90% of the kids are walking from the canal district. To that school so i agree mm-hmm. with charlie it's it's a great opportunity to offer an opportunity but we should just not say tara linda not say tam because we know what the privileged neighborhoods are mm-hmm. and so i think we just leave it open you know and and we have in this we haven't said yeah. any particular high school or any particular geographic area Correct. Correct. So, okay all right. Anybody else have any comments?
0: Okay. Let's uh, let's vote. All in favor.
2: Any objections? I'm Thank sorry, you. chair. I didn't hear a second to the motion. The second was uh, Scott. I was a okay. second. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh,
0: any abstentions?
1: Yeah.
2: does no. isn't here. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. I think it passed. Thank you
2: all.
0: (laughs) Okay. So item number eight, countywide transportation plan and community-based transportation plan. So Derek, I think you've ready.
14: Good evening, everybody. Jared McGill, Director of Planning here at TAM, and I'm here to present on the countywide transportation plan um, and our community based transportation plan that goes with it. Um, This is just a discussion item for tonight. Um, Happy to answer any questions that I can tonight Um, and uh, eager to be starting the dialogue on this effort that will be continuing over the next year. So, with that, next slide, please. A little bit of background about how we got to a countywide transportation plan. Back in May of 2022, our board uh, directed us to develop a countywide transportation plan, um, and we have been working on developing this process since that time. December of 2022, we had a discussion about the scope of work for this effort with our board, um, and that led to a contract approval in summer of 2023, um, and have been underway with the, the launch of this effort since summertime. Um, we are expecting this plan to continue until the end of this year with the fall 2024 plan adoption scheduled. Um, and following that, subsequent to that fall period, the Measure AA expenditure plan review process will begin. Next slide, please. So a little bit about the countyway transportation plan. There's a lot of acronyms. I love them. I use them daily. Um, we are intending to set a vision for 2050 um, and that vision is really to um, develop strategic priorities for our transportation planning decisions um, and our funding and project delivery. And the CTP is going to attempt to align these planning decisions with uh, funding decisions and with project delivery. Um, wrapping all of that together, we want to be thinking about some of our key priorities, including advancing equity on um, the land use transportation connection, um, safety trans recovery and priority and climate resiliency and making sure we're addressing the challenges not only of today, but of the future as well. Uh, It's a a lot to try and accomplish. And uh, next slide, please. Um, We're hoping that that will give us quite a few outcomes of the process. So identify sort of the emerging areas that we need to be thinking about and focusing on in the future, uh, broadening the understanding of our community transportation goals uh, we want to advance a countywide community-based transportation planning process. Uh, we've done CBTPs in um, individual neighborhoods in the county, uh, the Canal neighborhood, Marin City, and Novato. Um, and we want to sort of weave those all together into a larger countywide CBTP process. We want to convene our partner agencies and build consensus over what is our path forward and what are the priorities in that path forward. Um, And that ultimately will rely on strengthening our partnerships to deliver this plan. Um, All of that needs to align with our local uh, and county planning with the regional and state guidance, which will hopefully open up some opportunities to strengthen our position for uh, outside funding sources. So we're attempting to do a lot uh, in this planning process and uh, really strengthen Marin and our transportation needs in this process. Next slide, please. Uh, fortunately, we do have a pretty good history of planning processes that have been underway in the last couple of years. You all sh- may remember the strategic vision plan that was adopted before the Measure AA renewal process. That was a long range plan um, that really set a vision uh, that was reliant on increasing uh, funding at the time. So Measure AA uh, and the renewal process there, but also SB1, which is state funding that wasn't in place at the time and regional measure three, which is regional bridge toll funding that wasn't in place at the time. Uh, We also have our community-based transportation plans that highlight specific community needs. um, And they are geographically bound, which is an important conversation when we think about how populations move within our county. A lot of the transportation um, services or mobility needs are not specific to any geographic area, but exist in multiple places throughout the county. Um, and then finally, our expenditure plans. And on our next slide, I wanna talk a little yeah, bit further right. about them. The expenditure plans are often sort of the, an implementation of these planning and policy documents. Um, and as you can see the Measure a, a and Measure B, expenditure plans are sort of how we divvy up all the competing needs in the county and, um, you know, set the stage for a lot of the critical needs that we have. So, school-related congestion um, in Measure AA, as well as our rural transit services. Uh, A lot of these services would not be possible without these local funding sources. Same goes for Measure B, uh, with maintenance uh, really heavily emphasized, but also our senior and disabled services in Measure B. as we look towards the Measure AA review process, uh, we want to make sure that we have the history and the um, of these expenditure plans built into our current planning processes and then um, to be able to influence those review processes moving forward. Next slide, please. Uh, we have been working pretty hard over the last couple of months convening committees and working groups and having our first conversations with many of these. Uh, We have a technical advisory committee. This is a public agency uh, committee. Um, So we have representatives from Marin Managers Association, representing city managers. We have Public Works Association uh, representatives, our planning directors, but we also have um, all three transit operators on our TAC, Health and Human Services, and Marin County Parks on that, Um, and Marin County Office of Equity now as well. We have also, uh, we met with them, three times to date, um, possibly I think two times actually, Uh, two times to date, and uh, they are reviewing a lot of the deliverables and the content of the plan. We have an equity working group that is representative of CBOs that work in this space, and they are primarily equity-focused groups with aging and disabled um, representation. We have a teacher's union to sort of uh, bring in the missing middle conversation that can occur um, within the equity and sort of um, traditional outreach, but the the working um, class um, individuals, but also we have travel representation, youth representation and representation from West Marin and our equity priority communities and Northern Nevada um, as well. So we're very happy with the representation on there. It's supported with Marin transit staff and Marin County Office of Education Equity staff Um, So we have staff attending as well as our uh, working group CBO representatives. Anybody from this group? I don't think so. I think we knew we would have the uh, the, the COC, so we're trying to sort of build the relationships with our CBOs. The idea of the equity working group is we can actually enter into contractual relationships with these CBOs, and they can support outreach beyond um, what we currently do in our outreach process. So it sort of gives us a contractual vehicle that can then guide our uh, outreach efforts in these communities and important outreach activities for this effort and any other effort that TAM does. Um, we also have an ad hoc with five of our board members um, that has been formed and they've met, I think twice now, maybe three times, twice as well. Um, and we'll have board workshops. We've had one and I'll talk a little bit more about that on the next slide or in a couple slides. So scheduled activities we've been underway with and since October of this year with developing a purpose of uh, the CTP and context document, and as our consultants are referring to it. Uh, we are in the initial vision uh, discussions um, with our board ad hoc uh, that will be going to the TAC and to um, our working groups to our and then to our board um, in the coming weeks. From there we move to a needs assessment, um, a co-benefit evaluation is how this is framed to making sure that all of our needs and our strategies have multiple benefits. They're not single serving um, sort of uh, but able to tackle multiple areas. And then from there, we'll work on a draft CTP in the summertime for a final in February. We will have board discussions and key milestones on this, and we'll be back to this group at these milestones as well. Talk about deliverables and sort of an update on the vision and on needs assessment and how the of evaluation. The,
4: the topic of needs assessment. How are you going to go about acquiring that?
14: A lot of that's already been done to
4: date. We have,
14: you know, an ongoing RTP process where we solicit projects from jurisdictions. We have recent federal funding requests into uh, for projects. there's also just larger conversations and previous conversations from short range transit plans from the various planning documents and then just ongoing conversations with these uh, agencies Um, and that will be coming up in public outreach as well so we will be doing um, public solicitation of sort of needs and trade-offs of addressing those needs Um, i'm going to run through the next couple slides and happy to take questions along the way but if you can go to the next slide um, we've had our first workshop with our board um in October, and that was really to set the initial conversation to develop a vision, but I'll identify potential policy goals and areas, just get the board talking about what do they want to see in the future and what have you know are there shifting areas of need. We've been, you know, in a very interesting space the last couple of years with transit recovery, with COVID and coming out of this time period. Um You know there's been a lot of changes since the last visioning plan and so uh including some of our board members and a lot of that's being um sort of discussed at our october board and then we will be working its way into deliverables in coming weeks Uh, we've got two more board workshops planned one in april and one in june Uh, we want our board to sort of kick around some of the trade-offs as you all know there's very limited right-of-way and trade-offs within the city right-of-ways are Challenging. Um, and so there are some significant trade offs by designating corridors as bike paths or transit corridors, and making all these sort of modes work within a limited right of way uh, can be a very difficult choice. Um, so, the board workshop in April will be a chance to discuss some of those trade offs and set strategic priorities for how do we want to move forward with um, transportation investments and our policy direction in the future. Um, And then workshop three is really gonna be about implementation. Um, Can we align our planning with funding decisions, with project delivery? Can we build consensus for future decision-making about what do we wanna see for our future and what does that mean for various areas of the county? So a lot of um, big conversations coming out of this process um, and we're looking forward to hearing everybody's input and our board input as well through these areas. Next slide, please. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what has changed since 2017. Um, There has been a significant amount. I I mean, it feels like writing the last plan was just yesterday, Um, and I do think we have a pretty decent vision in there. It's a lot of tightening up what was written in that plan, but we do have, you know, as every year passes, we have an aging population. We have a significant population and job shift trend with the pandemic and with housing prices, um, you know, increasing and increasing the unaffordability of the region. Um, we have significant impacts of the climate effects and climate adaptation that we're now experiencing. We're currently in a king tide phase right now, wintertime, which is typical, but every year that seems to get higher and higher. Um, we are advancing a lot of our knowledge in sea level rise and in wildfire evacuation planning um, since 2017 as well. So reflecting those needs um, is also an opportunity in this plan. Um, I would definitely think the equity movement has occurred within government world a lot um, since 2017 as well. And understanding how to build capacity of CBOs is a big part of the work and how we structured our equity working group, for example. the land use transportation connection has also shifted significantly since, let's say 2013, when the region was really discussed in um, PDAs and focus growth around smart stations, <laughs> but around stations. We now have very mature sort of funding system that relies on land use and transportation to be planned together. And we have a CEQA process that does that as well um, through the use of DMT. So this has shifted over time. We have priority areas and sites that were nominated by our local jurisdictions to help implement housing element sites. And we know that implementing housing element sites is going to be a big challenge for a number of our jurisdictions um, and working towards that arena housing uh, allocation. Um, so this is a good opportunity to sort of think through, how do we serve those locations? And how um, what do we need out of the development of those sites to support some of our transportation needs as well? Um, Safety, we've also seen the safe systems approach. This is really a new way of thinking about safety and not being retroactive, but planning for and identifying um, a a systems approach to addressing safety rather than just looking backwards towards where have incidents occurred in the past. And then finally, uh, I think we have a maturing understanding of vehicle technology and travel behavior. Um, EV adoption, you know, we're seeing big increases in EV adoption year over year, where over a third of our new vehicle sales are electric vehicles in the county. We have a much better understanding of uh, autonomous vehicle technology than we did in 2017. Um, and we have a lot of changing commute patterns and transit recovery that varies based on different markets and transit operators. Next slide. There kinds of, what is transit recovery? Uh, when we say transit recovery, we typically mean building our transit ridership back up to pre-pandemic levels. So SMART and Marin Transit don't necess- don't have this problem. They're pretty much back at pre-pandemic levels, but it's definitely affecting a lot of our regional commuter uh, transit options, such as Golden Gate Transit, um, BART, and Muni um, are sort of non-Marin operators that have significant trans recovery challenges too. A little bit more about what has changed since 2017, I think the funding picture has been much more clear. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, we saw the largest influx of federal funding that I've seen in my lifetime for transportation, but we also have regional Metro three sort of consolidated. We've done well in that in the North Bay, obviously. Um, Measure AA, which you all are familiar with, which is generating 35 million. I can't believe that. It was 27 when we went to the voters is our estimate. Um, And SB1, as I mentioned as well, really providing a a big increase in local road operation, uh, local road maintenance funds and um, transit operations and capital as well. Next slide. So what have we heard so far? As I said, we've been under this planning process for a couple months now, and this is a lot of what we've heard from our board and from our staff and from our working groups. We're hearing a desire to be visionary, but you know, keep in mind supporting our equity populations, and specifically in that, seniors, family, transit dependent, and West Marin has come out very loudly in that definition of equity. Um, Safety of pedestrians and cyclists um, has been another big need that we've heard. Um, Continuing to focus on operations and maintenance in alignment with what we've sort of seen in Measure A and Measure B. Um, There's been support for the highway improvements that are planned, but there haven't been any new highway improvements sort of articulated at this point. Um, Support for growing our transit services. We've gotten a lot of requests for transit service to West Marin Uh, lifeline type service, but also to new developments and to um, national park service uh, areas as well. So uh, just, you know, we often don't think of our transit services as um, like a growing sort of need, but there are, there have been a number of growing transit service requests in the last couple of years and are coming out in this process as well. Uh, I would say congestion remains a community concern. Um, That's come out in the conversations, Um, but really just thinking about planning for a 21st century climate, what does that do to our investments? Um, Definitely the need for multi-jurisdictional planning and cross-agency collaboration. It's difficult for a lot of our small agencies to have uh, planning conversations when they're tasked with carrying out a capital improvement program. Um and that can be a pretty substantive lift on its own. Um, and then we've also heard support for aligning our CTP with the state and regional goals to maximize funding opportunities and recognize that we do have differences in the areas of the county, um, even between you know downtown Mill Valley and downtown Tiburon. Um, but many of those transportation challenges faced in these communities might be very similar. Um, they just may have their own flavor to them. Um, so next slide, please. Um, this is actually the outcome, one of the big outcomes from our board visioning conversation. We had them hold up little green cards, yellow cards, and red cards. And um, we asked them to sort of, you know, is this a priority for you or not? Um, and so, what this chart is showing you is where there was uh, a large emphasis on high priority sort of strategies or themes for our planning uh, from the board. And there's four areas that really stood out. Nobody, interestingly, said there was a low priority or red card. There's no red cards uh, provided by any of our board members. So the high is the green card. And uh, nine of our commissioners said, you know, the theme should be focused on schools and local travel needs, but also closing gaps in the network, transit ridership growth and providing safe streets for all were sort of the high themes of um, our board at that meeting. Interestingly, better access to new workforce housing. Everybody thought was a nice moderate. I uh, got 10 out of the cards, but um, nobody thought that was a high sort of focus area for the, the plan. Um, and that's a pretty big shift from years previous, where there was a large emphasis on operations and maintenance and um, you know this is not the end-all be-all this is the process we're going through this is going to be a learning process and we are going to continue to have these conversations and these themes and visions are going to shift over the development of this plan um next slide please um a little bit about the engagement process before i wrap up this presentation um, we've got a pretty large and robust engagement process planned for this. Uh, there's really two tracks, stakeholder engagement that I'll talk about, and public outreach. Uh, in both cases, we want this to be a data-driven process. Um, and fitting the right strategy with the right groups at the right time is key to that. Um, we, For the public outreach, we want to meet the public where they are um, and focus on our equity priority communities and elevating the voices of those that haven't been included in the processes in the past. Um, and that's very much in alignment with our guidance from MTC Um, And that is also what has helped drive the engagement process and the public outreach process. Um, Next slide, please. So we've got some upcoming engagement activities. um, And these are both um, stakeholder engagement, but also public, um, public engagement opportunities as well. We've got our upcoming board workshops that we talked about. Um, but we also are planning pop-up events to really go out to the community and get them where they're at, not invite people to a Saturday workshop at a community center that, you know, may not attract people that wouldn't technically go to these types of outreach events. Uh, so there's six pop-up events planned, they're all going to be in accessible high traffic locations, and there's going to be different interactive elements to solicit feedback and priorities and trade-offs. Uh, things like live polls, feedback walls, um, activities for kids, so little giveaways um, um, are planned at those. And those are farmers markets. They're at parks. They're fest- uh, you know weekend uh, type ac- events. Um, there'll also be focus groups, which is sort of a new tactic for us, um, which will be identifying community needs and challenges, uh, but also sort of understanding the priorities for your individual groups or areas. Uh, focus areas, um, preferences for how to achieve some of these strategies and potential improvements. So we've got three focus groups identified right now. We're kind of holding one in reserve. Uh, We want a focus group on West Marin and the needs of West Marin um, and how we can sort of understand the lifeline needs for trips to medical appointments, but also uh, the recreational and visitor travel that occurs in West Marin and how that impacts um, our communities and environment here. Um, we've got an environmental slash bike group planned. We want to explore um, you know, the bike network and environmental themes um, a lot further. And this is mostly about GHG reduction rather than climate adaptation um, is sort of the focus of what is the effective GHG strategy for transportation and how do we sort of build consensus around what do we do in this space. There's been an increasing tension between GHG that is vehicle focused versus non-vehicle focused like transit or um, uh, bike network build out that uh, this group is gonna be exploring further, but also the business community as well um, and how uh, the different transportation area uh, modes and uh, impacts of the county support or um, challenge business uh, retention and business uh, community needs in the county. Finally, um, there's two other items mostly related to public outreach, which you know, our big effort is going to be an online survey. We're going to do a big push out on um, through a Digital Media Campaign to increase survey and participation uh, of an online survey. And then we are always happy to come to your groups and do a CTP Roadshow. Um, I think we're at Kevin's group. Thank you for having us for the League of Women Voters. Uh, we'll be going to the Marine Coalition as well. So if you'd like any presentations that need your uh, groups or agencies or um, nonprofits, we're happy to go and sort of give an overview and um, have a conversation with you there. Next slide, please. And with that, uh, I'm happy to answer any of your questions. We will be back in front of this group multiple times this year, talk about the various deliverables. So this is just the first chance to discuss and definitely will not be the last.
0: How will this, once it's formulated, how will this Um, be aligned with what we're doing with Measure A and Measure B in terms of where the funding's going to different. So if the priorities are different in this plan from what we're doing, how how are we going to align the two? That's a great question.
14: And I think we're going to need to talk about that as we get a draft vision set and a draft plan set. If there's drastic realignment between areas of Measure A and a new need, I think that becomes a conversation around do you modify measure AA Is that the right move? Or is it another funding source? Or is it, you know, another, you know, grants or other sort of opportunities to think about um, addressing those needs? And is TAM the right agency to advance those? Becomes one of the questions too. I think part of this is we're looking at partnerships um, and, you know, supporting our transit operators or supporting our local jurisdictions, if those if that's the right lead agency for moving those needs forward.
4: Scott. So this is packaged as a 2050 vision. Okay. That's 25 years. When you get it done and printed, it's 25 years out. Um 26, hopefully. Huh? 26, hopefully. Well, right. okay. <laughs> we can quibble about a year. You and I both know in planning and documentation and and public dissemination, it's going to be 25. But anyway, um, at least 20, maybe 24. But my problem is I see the dynamics of comparing 2017 and the last one and, and moving forward and finding new avenues and venues. My biggest question is we have a contract for a climate cycle review with with Tam I believe the sea level rise the sea
5: level rise study yeah is that the one you're
4: yeah, that, that has to do with kind of the whole question sea level rise has to do with climate change or climate cri- crisis or whatever you want to call it um it would seem a big gap to have this sort of set down by December when you don't have that data set plugged in. I'm just asking.
14: Yeah, I, I mean, the fortunate thing is we're managing both of these processes. I understand but... that, and that's a good thing, <laughs> yeah.
4: so you can kind of cross-pollinate. Exactly.
14: We can cross-pollinate between those. Um... But I think
4: it's critical. It's, it's a failure built in if you don't, is what I'm saying. I think you realize that places like Manzanita, places like the ferry parking lot, places that are What we would classify, I would classify as vulnerable, um, need to be addressed through either your process or the sea level rise process being inputted. So to me, you're hearing that in some of the input, some of the, you're extracting from some of the groups that, and and reducing greenhouse gases is really a, a secondary issue to What are going to be the effects whether we whether we can reduce the greenhouse gases to a point in the next 26-25 years or not is really irrelevant to what's going to happen impact-wise regardless and so i think we're i think we're at a, a real crossroads and we need to and i think your point of as peter said asking how does that fit into our aa vision do we redefine that? I think that's a perfect question to bring up to everybody. Is it something we need to look at that's going to be a change process? Anyway.
14: Yeah, I don't want to diminish climate adaptation and sea level rise in the conversation. Wildfire evacuation is a very similar conversation. Right. Those those plans have been, either have been advanced in the condition of the wildfire evacuation planning process, but also the sea level rise work we have an understanding where the vulnerabilities are and we will be developing strategies Mm -hmm. as we go through this process. So there's definitely that opportunity to cross-pollinate there. I think what the CTP can do is elevate that conversation and elevate. What is the consensus approach to this? Is it planning for five or 10 years to address flooding in short term? Or is it, should we think about higher level protections or nature-based solutions? And, you know, there's trade-offs, with all of those approaches. So, yeah. We'll have a chance to have that conversation in the sea level rise plan, and then reinforce them.
4: You know, you mentioned the National Park Service and they're big property owners and players in West Marin and recreationally for the county, and they've been working on a plan to to reinvent their whole infrastructure there at Stinson Beach and have been for six years, and they brought in the Federal Highway Authority and they've done some preliminary. Engineering sketches and and concepts, and I happened to talk to one of their one of the parks planners who's been around a long time. And I said, "How's that going? Is that going to get moved forward?" She said, "Well, we didn't really like all the that engineering stuff, so we're going to kind of put that off." I was at Stinson Beach on Sunday. The north parking lot is shut down. There is no parking lot because the oceans come in, come across. Oh, no, no, no. Mm. Everyone needs to take a field trip out there to see your federal tax dollars at work or not at work. Mm. The south parking mm. lot on Sunday was not open. This is a three-day weekend. I was sitting at a table doing a beach cleanup kind of tabling. The south parking lot wasn't open because there was no staff around. Everybody was jamming into the central parking lot, and it was a merry-go-round. I, I was watching mm. hundreds of cars going around every hour trying to find a parking space. This is January, folks. This isn't July. And so, again, for for their partnership, they've gotta be transparent and honest with you. What is their plan to make this thing work? Because Sunday, it wasn't working, okay? Thank you, Scott. Kevin and then Jim.
10: So I guess my question is, uh, are you gonna build into the report A RECOMMENDATION FOR REASSESSING, um, YOU KNOW, SOME OF THE PRIORITIES IN THE REPORT. SO, FOR EXAMPLE, YOU'RE GOING TO SAY EVERY SIX YEARS, YOU KNOW, WE OUGHT TO GO BACK AND and LOOK AT, WE HAVE A GENERAL PLAN EVERY SIX YEARS OR WHATEVER THE PERIOD OF TIME IS, GO BACK AND LOOK AT WHERE WE ARE AND TO SEE WHETHER OR NOT, YOU KNOW, THERE NEEDS TO BE ADDITIONAL CHANGES. you know, if you look at COVID, COVID changed everything within a few years. Now, God help us if we have another COVID, mm-hmm. but there could be you know, other things that come up that substantially change things, I mean.
14: Yeah, the- Black ones,
5: Nuclear wall.
14: I want to answer this in, I think, two ways. Um, the Measure AA review process in the expenditure plan calls for a six year review of oh. that process. So for this round, we're trying to align the CTP to be in front of that review process to understand what the needs are. Um, the board will have the decision about whether or not they want to take the CTP guidance and what we want as a vision and implement it through the review process. And I don't know what the vision is, so we don't know what, you know, any changes the review, review process would be. I think one of the things we're trying to do here is set that process up of a planning process and a programming process being linked together and you know, you're setting long term goals that these revenue sources can help achieve. One of the things we are doing in this plan is setting performance measures. Are we on target in certain areas or not? And um, I think over time, as we can or cannot meet our performance measures, I think that will also influence future funding decisions or future project delivery alternatives um, or options as well. So, a lot of this is we are doing a review process by the expenditure plan. We are planning on doing updates to this plan uh, as funding becomes available and as the plan needs updates. Um, instead of a process called the CMP process that we used to do every two years, this is now uh, sort of our long-range planning process. Um, and we will have performance measures built in this so we will be able to sort of assess
0: where we are and where we're going. Hey, Jim. Are you
12: doing a single
0: year 2015
14: proposal or looking at 10-year increments out there? I think we have, we are doing a 10-year short-term phase and then a longer term phase. So okay. we will have a short-term horizon and a long-term horizon. I, I would encourage the thought that the interim,
12: more than one interim period. The long-range plan is a wag at best you can envision what 2050, 60 is going to look like. Squinty, as we are, I wouldn't believe you anyway, but uh, it's extraordinary. Hard. Can you predict when work from home and remote online delivery, autonomous vehicles, AI implementation? We haven't a clue what it's going to look like. Seriously. and It's a nice exercise to plan for 2050, but our margins are usually way off, and any of the uh, futurist scientists will tell you that you need to look at 20, 30, 40 scenarios to get a flavor of the range of things that you can anticipate. So a lot more emphasis might be placed on what to do in the next 10, in the next 20-year cycles. One of which I think the county seriously needs are are, are traffic control systems. Our traffic signal systems are badly out of date. They don't begin to meet comparable advanced systems elsewhere and they're disjointed uh, even the most recent work you see on one-air drive and sir francis Drake are kind of pathetic in handling traffic as efficiently as they could so a lot more emphasis on the next 10 years the next 50 years would be uh more insightful to help us guide our state and county policies, I think.
9: Yeah, yeah sort of a follow-up on that. I mean, the U.K. is supposed to be net zero by 2035. We're supposed to be in this country 2050, and uh, in, in, um, internal combustion engine are not, will not be sold in this, in this state by uh, 2030. I mean, you have huge... I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we don't know what the technology is going to be in, in twenty fifty, but there are in- incredible mandates are now coming enforced, or depending on which your perspective is, on public policy. All right? How do you adapt? Are you going to be able to adapt? Are you going to adapt that?
14: How do you work with it? Those big things, all right? I, I mean, that that's a great question. Um, I think that gets exactly to the sort of tension that we're you know need to be addressing in the plan and Need to figure out a strategy to move forward. I, um, it seems gonna, you've got to have an adaption strategy. I think so sort just of yeah,
9: right? you've got to have some true up mm-hmm. every five years. you are just gonna have to I mean, have to change things you know completely. But I think, but that's why I'm a little with you.
0: I'm 2050 is just the horizon is too far. Well, the other the other well, part of that is the political landscape. Yeah. And they have very friendly funding and climate change and so on, and then all of a sudden we flip over to another side and they Mix all that and you know so your plan goes goes to hell yeah, yeah.
5: any plan has assumptions <laughs> built in and this one will as well and um i think yeah. you know you asked questions about how often yeah. will it be updated and the intention is to update it we don't intend for this to be the only planning between now and 2050. yeah you know this will be updated in probably four to six more years after <laughs> it's complete. This
9: then this how is meaningful age. is it? that the real question becomes well if you're going to update I every mean, well, why why not just Lower, you know, bring your horizons back yeah, and, sure. and, and operate, You know,
5: we, a, we do actually have some guidelines that we are trying yeah, to meet yeah, with this too. So, our, our I that. agency,
14: yeah, I S- that. some, that's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would only say we have a guideline that says 2050 yeah. is the year that we should be looking at in the horizon for long term planning. But I would also encourage us to think about not just our existing needs, but our future needs. Because if sure. you're moving forward with existing projects and you have the ability to build in additional co benefits, that Address sea level rise, or address you know um, a long-term need for another area. We should be identifying those, and that helps make our projects and our revenue more competitive for regional and state funding sources. So I think there's that part of this too of let's not only focus our existing needs, but let's think about what our long-term needs are and what the strategy is for advancing long-term needs where we have short-term opportunities and. Um, you know, we we can get that boggled down with the assumptions in the plan, whether or not they're accurate or not, but if we want to have a conversation around where we want to be as a community in 30 years, it's going to take a long time for government agencies to adapt and create a, a plan that actually or deliver those improvements. Um, a lot of our infrastructure takes a very long time to build and to um actually deliver. And I think the long-term planning process can help in that situation and help align for the unknowns of revenue that may, we may not know about. There may be another federal funding opportunity in the future. And we don't have that wish list of projects or a wish
0: list of areas that we want to be focusing on. We're missing out on an opportunity. Okay. So we are way over time. Great discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Any other quick comments,
12: or can we- Plan Bay Area for MTC called for a decline, I think actually, in jobs in Marin. Is that still the prevailing expectation?
14: Um, For our planning process, we don't typically agree with the forecast and Plan Bay Area for employment. Our local economic forecasts show an increase in job growth So we're moving forward assuming there will be job growth between now and 2020. And population as well. And population as well, it seems if you're building 14,000 housing units in the county, there should be some corresponding population increase as well.
0: Okay, Suzanne, last
14: call. I just
7: wanted to quickly say that I just think the more money we spend on reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and the less money we're going to spend down the line on things like sea level rise and adaptation. There's so much emphasis on adaptation, not in your plan. I mean, in general, in so many
5: areas that um, I just think the more we can focus on reducing
7: greenhouse gas emissions, so we don't have more and more, and more consequences that we have to pay more and more and more money. Okay.
0: Thank you, Derek. Um, we have one last item or two oh, last items.
2: Uh, We have some public comment. Okay. Gail Mills, please unmute.
7: Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I wanted to be very practical about uh, some of the things that I've heard tonight. I appreciate everybody's um, work in this uh, oversight committee and the report uh, that we just heard. And I I live out in the West End of uh, San Rafael, and from my point of view, the one thing that i would say is high priority for me is closing the gaps because i live a mile away from any kind of public transit but i'm on uh the west end of fifth avenue and so there you know i i wish i could get to my written comments because i can't see them with this screen Um, But anyway, I'll just muddle through. I've walked, I've lived out here for 50 years and I've walked the mile. It takes uh, 25 minutes to close that gap between my house and the closest public transportation. There are minivans that go up and down Fifth Avenue from H Street to the cemetery, back and forth, delivering Cedars students to their schools and I would say that it would be a very practical suggestion for uh, this team uh, to contract, see if you can contract with these minivans that could establish a, a system of closing that gap that already exists. And um, it, it seems to be one of the high priorities. There's a school down there that students could be carried to uh, it would cover a lot of bases thank okay. you
0: thank you um, okay committee member hot
4: items report anything no? the only hot item i would suggest is because we've heard tonight about a lot of bicycle and pedestrian priorities in all these different topics we've covered money planning <laughs> anticipated use is that we make sure we have a bike pad representative. Yes. I asked about that today. And we and we need to yeah. we, we need to it's recruit. Important. It's very important. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Anything else? Okay.
0: Discussion of next meeting date. So Molly, I
6: will see depending on the dependent <laughs> and the uh, development schedule. We might need a third meeting, but we might, you know, again, just, you know, our typical process is every odd month you have a meeting. Mm-hmm. So the even months is as needed. So, we'll see, Molly.
5: We... Yeah, last year I look back and we did do the annual report in February, the third Monday. So. Um, we so we could do, um, we could do oh, Tuesday okay. the 20th, or we could um move it Maybe to we a different over, group again. Well, if you want to make the board adoption
6: date, so you probably want to do the Tuesday the 20th. Tuesday
0: the 20th, does yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that work for everyone? For sure. February is February 20th, February, 20th. February, 20th. February. February. Uh, yes, that works. 5 o'clock. Does that sound good? February 20th, 5 p.m.? That's a Tuesday. That's a Tuesday.
4: Tuesday. Okay. And Peter, I have one. That's a two-part last item. <laughs> Future agenda items, recommended items. I'd like to ask if we could get either from our staff Camp staff, or the consultant, just a follow up, It's an interim progress report on the climate sea level rise study. It's now been going on for five months. I think we can ask them to come in and give us a, a footnote, okay? because we have very important other things that we want to plug into. So for our awareness, I'm requesting that. Doesn't have to be
0: the next meeting, but sometime sometime soon, and, and that's great. We've had some pretty graphic uh, um
4: examples of sea uh, uh, flooding. Yes. Well, BCDC presented to the Board of Supervisors last October. The assistant director of BCDC came and gave them a very comprehensive PowerPoint and, and written report on what Marin County's cost will be. It's 17 billion dollars. With a P. So in today's funding as well. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway,
9: yeah. I have one. Thank you, Scott. For I'm on the MWPA, the Wildfire Prevention Authority, COC. At some point, we're talking about ingress, egress, um, um, you know, basically. And we have a report or some. I mean, it's really fascinating what we're working on, how to get people in and out of of a wildfire situation. I think it would be nice if we had some something on like that item. Maybe have Bart Brown or somebody come
0: in and talk.
5: Yeah, we can ask them. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that'd be nice. Thanks. Okay. Meeting agenda? Yeah. Now we celebrate. Anyone anyone
5: who can stick around?